This is George Perez at Cincinnati Comic Expo, and everybody likes the Drake, especially the cakes. You don't like the Drake? I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. Hello everyone, and welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. This podcast is going to be taking a look at Tim Drake, my favorite Robin. We'll be taking a look at Tim's first appearance in Batman Year 3, that's Batman 436, and working our way through Tim's training all the way to Tim's ongoing Robin series that went 183 issues. So sit back and relax and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 17 of Robin Everyone Loves the Drake. I'm your host Rob Myers and this podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. All right, um, I have been trying my darndest to get the podcast back on a bi-weekly basis, and I am failing miserably. So first, I want to apologize to the listeners I have. Um, I love that I have listeners of the podcast, and I've heard um, some wonderful feedback uh, from you guys, and it means a lot. It's kind of one of those that I go, is anybody really listening to the show? Um, I always say, you know, hey, uh, send me an email, and I'll read it on air. I see messages in the Facebook uh, Batman Universe page. And uh, that means a lot there. And I see some comments over on the Robin Everyone Loves the Drake Facebook page. Um, But, you know, from time to time I go, I don't think anybody's listening and uh, maybe I should stop doing this. And then I'll I'll get a nice uh, comment on one of the message boards uh, or Facebook pages, excuse me. So uh, that means a lot. Um, So hopefully I'm not letting you down. I'm trying my darndest to get uh, it back to a biweekly basis. Uh, Life just keeps throwing some curveballs my way. Uh, So... uh, uh, these last few episodes have only been one a month, but um, uh, today that I'm recording this, I'm going to be knocking out uh, hopefully three episodes of the podcast, so that way I can kind of start banking some of these to be able to get back to the bi-weekly basis. But we're back here for episode 17, and we're back in good old 1991 again. Uh, the previous episode, we took a jump uh, with Future's End, kind of like my Future's End version of the podcast, and looked at uh, Tim Drake, Red Robin, in the New 52. So now we're coming back into our continuity in 1991, and actually August of the cover date of this book that we'll be looking at are actually three books. It is one of the first arcs uh, after the debut comic that was Batman 465, I believe. Uh, Yes, as I'm looking at Batman 465. Um, I don't have Batman 466. Uh, For whatever reason, I don't know if I didn't go to the comic book 
uh, store that day, but I do not have that one in my uh, collection. But I do have the next three, and that's Batman 467, 468, and 469, uh, known as the Shadow Box uh, story arc. And uh, the interesting thing is, uh, spoilers if you don't want to hear this, but granted it's 1991, so chances are you've heard this or read this before, rather. Um, but coming out of the Robin miniseries where Tim uh, has battled King Snake and then goes back to Gotham City after his training is done and he and Bruce have a, a first night on the town together as Batman and Robin, uh, the next big foe that Tim comes up against is, spoilers, is King Snake. So I thought this was a, a nice way to kind of tie up uh, the King Snake story a little bit that... Uh, it, it's interesting just as Tim gets uh, back from uh, Hong Kong and everything and he has his uh, first night on the town as Batman and Robin that King Snake uh, creeps back into Tim's life. Um, and something I want to also talk to before we get into the actual part of the show here, uh, getting into the synopsis and discussion, is uh, what I'm planning on doing with the podcast. Um, I'm not planning on going through every single Batman and Robin issue uh, that uh, Tim is in, you know, all the way up to the uh, Robin ongoing series. The main uh, purpose of the podcast is to eventually get to the Robin uh, ongoing series that 183 issues. But I, I was at one point I was going to just start the podcast with uh, issue number one, and I thought, well, I really can't do issue number one without talking a little bit about Batman Nightfall. Then I thought, well, I can't really talk about Batman Nightfall till we kind of talk about Tim. So it just everything kind of spiraled down the line. I thought, let's just start the show or the podcast with the introduction of Tim Drake. And I decided to take it one step farther, as you know, and I went to Batman year three, uh, where the wheels were kind of set in motion there. So uh, if you've been listening to this long, you realize that. Uh, but after uh, this story arc, the podcast is going to be jumping, uh, taking some jumps rather than going issue to issue to issue. Uh, we'll take like what I'm going to consider like milestone jumps. Like here's an important beat in Tim's life that gets us onto the next important beat. So this will be the last book that is basically we've been kind of going almost every issue. We may do some issues in Batman, then go to detective, then back to Batman. But far as uh, chronology wise, or chronologically rather, if I can say that word, uh, we've pretty much stayed from issue to issue to issue with taking, you know, little jumps here and there. Um, so, uh, after this episode, the podcast will start uh, ramping a little bit farther and closer uh, to Nightfall, which is the launching point of the Robin series. And um, I'm hoping to have uh, some guests on for the Batman Nightfall that uh, we're not going to be doing Nightfall in its entirety. Um, it'll just be taking a look at the Robin portions. Um, it, we'll get more into that as the show goes on. So uh, for this episode, like I said, we'll be taking a look at uh, the Batman comic, and it'll be issues uh, 467, 468, and 469, the Shadow Box series. So uh, thanks for staying with me through 17 episodes. We've got some really cool stuff coming up, and uh, I'm going to do my darndest to get this back on a bi-weekly basis. So I just want to send my serious apologies for those people that were hoping to get two episodes a month. Um, I am hoping to rectify that, but uh, as you know, life will throw you a curveball, so sometimes the things that you have planned uh, sometimes have to take a backseat as, you know, sometimes life 
life priorities get in the way. But we are back. Uh, thanks for tuning in and welcome to the show. Shadow Box story takes place over three issues, Batman 467, 468, and 469. The on-sale street date uh, were July 2nd, 1991, July 23rd, 1991, and the final chapter in August 6th, 1991. All the comics were a dollar. Uh, the writing credits are uh, pretty much all the same with the writer Chuck Dixon, penciler Tom Lyle, inker Andy Machensky, colorist Adrian Roy, letter uh, Todd Clean, and Tom Lyle being the cover artist, and Adrian Roy uh, being the uh, cover colorist. Denny O'Neill is the group editor. Uh, the only thing that changes uh, for the from the first two issues is the inker for the third part of the story is Scott Hanna. Tim Drake Robin, created by Marv Wolfman and Pat Broderick. The Robin costume is created by Neil Adams and Norm Brayfogel. Batman 467, Shadow Box Part 1. Batman and Robin track down a series of warehouse robberies over the past month. It appears to be what's left of King Snake's ghost dragons, and there are no guns with the ghost dragons, which means Batman feels a little bit easier having Robin along with him. Every night is a new experience for the new boy wonder. Batman and Robin take out the ghost dragon swiftly. Batman notices that Tim takes the job very seriously, and his confidence grows with each outing, and never becomes reckless, but still has a lot to learn. The Ghost Dragons were there to intercept a bunch of arms weapons coming into Gotham City Harbor. Robin still can't help but feel that he never saw King Snake's body after the fall. Batman reassures Robin that King Snake is in fact dead. It's just someone new trying to muscle in on King Snake's territory. Batman and Robin stop by the GCPD to talk to Commissioner Gordon. Gordon says the police took down Jimmy Wig, a self-proclaimed mayor of Chinatown. Gordon says that they seized all of his casinos and all of his doings, but there is some loose ends, and he might be able to lead Batman and Robin to the whomever is in control or running the Ghost Dragons. Later, Batman and Robin are able to track down Jimmy Wig, and Wig starts to tell Batman and Robin that someone new has taken over his territory, also running the Ghost Dragons. He says that he hears it's some tall, blonde guy, and the odd thing is, he's blind. Robin knows it right away. It has to be King Snake. Back at the Batcave, Robin is certain that it has to be Sir Edmonton. Batman says that it has to be some type of coincidence. Maybe somebody is using the idea of King Snake to scare the Ghost Dragons into doing what they want. 
Batman is afraid that the Ghost Dragons will go too far with the Triad and that this will turn into an all-out gang war if things don't get stopped right away. So Batman and Robin decide to go to Chinatown themselves and track down a known Ghost Dragon hideout. Once inside, Robin takes down one of the Ghost Dragon members as Batman takes down another one and begins to question him. Batman tells him he doesn't want filth like this running around in his city, and if he knows what's good for him, he'll tell him what Batman wants to know, or things will get much, much worse for him. The young Ghost Dragon member tells Batman that he's too late. The main group of the Ghost Dragons left two hours ago to seize a series of weapons and caches that are being delivered across town. Lynx and her Ghost Dragons are already there with their plan to stop the armored car in the middle of downtown and begin to attack the armored car, getting all the weapons and caches and ammunitions that they can out of the vehicle. But just as they begin to take their assault on the armored vehicle, Batman and Robin appear in the Batmobile, and the Ghost Dragons take the ammunition and start to open fire on the dynamic duo. The Ghost Dragons manage to block Batman and Robin's path right away in the middle of the city street by blowing up a fire escape that crashes down in the middle, almost landing on the Batmobile. Batman fears with this much firepower on the streets, it's going to be hard for the GCPD and Batman and Robin to contain this. They need to know who is behind these attacks right away. Later that night, Lynx arrives back at the hideout and enters a darkened room and asks, We await your command, sir, as she steps into the darkness. And then suddenly behind her, the King Snake appears. He asks if they succeeded in getting the firearms. She tells him yes they did, but Batman was there also. But don't worry, he couldn't stop us. King Snake says that's not the news he was wanting to hear. He wants to know one question. Was the boy with him? Back at Wayne Manor, Tim is trying to study for a final he has coming up, but his mind is not on it. It's on him, King Snake. He knows he has to be alive. Tim and Alfred talk, and Alfred reminds him that you must never ignore your intuition. Detective work is often made of intangibles. It's looking for things that are out of place, that are unusual, even the unthinkable. At the GCPD morgue, Commissioner Gordon awaits for Batman. Gordon has asked Batman to come alone tonight to talk to Batman about the impending gang war and something else that's on his mind that he needs to show Batman. Gordon reminds Batman that the leading cause of teen murder in Gotham City is usually at the hands of gangs or teens getting involved into gangs. Batman reminds Gordon that he wrote this information from Gordon himself. Gordon just smirks and says, oh yeah. Gordon opens the door to the mortuary. This is the reason why Gordon wanted to see Batman alone tonight. In the middle of the room is a corpse underneath a blanket. Gordon pulls back the blanket to reveal a Ghost Dragon member, but this Ghost Dragon member is dressed up to send a message to Batman. It's the Ghost Dragon member that gave Batman the information about the guns. He has been beaten to death by bare hands, and he's wearing a Robin costume. Batman 468 Shadow Box Part 2 Batman begins to think, is this a joke or a warning? Or both? The body of the young Chinese ghost dragon member dressed in a Robin costume. One thing is clear, this is definitely a message sent to Batman. Whomever did this wants Robin dead. Gordon is surprised, he wonders if the King Snake is alive. Batman says at this point, he's not sure. Batman knows with the transfer of Hong Kong to Communist China and only six years away, and the Chinese crime lords are looking towards the shores and billions of dollars that are going to come into Gotham City every year to the triads. Batman told Gordon, we're about to be invaded. Dead or alive, the King Snake and the Ghost Dragons are coming, and Gotham is the prize. Lynx and her crew continue to knock off triad locations, asserting the Ghost Dragons' authority in Chinatown. 
Back at King Snake's hideout, he is resting, but it's not peacefully. He's having a dream of falling off a skyscraper from the last time he met the boy Wonder, falling to his almost certain death, and then lands on an outcropping from the building. The building saved his life, but severely broke his back. The boy did this to him. The boy Wonder, Robin. King Snake wakes up in a sweat, and he knows it's that cursed boy has to die. By his hands, he will kill the young bird. In Wayne Manor, Tim is getting on to some of his studies, but then moves on to tennis to clear his head. Bruce comes out to the tennis court and tells him that for the time being, he is going to set this one out because his studies have to come first. Tim questions Bruce and says there has to be another reason for this. Bruce says no other reason. His education is most important right now and that Tim needs to focus on that and that Batman can handle the city alone. Bruce turns and walks away. Tim knows why he wants him out. He's afraid it'll happen again. Batman is able to track down the ghost dragon movements to Gate City. It's part of Gotham. It's supposed to be a melting pot in Gotham City where all the worlds converge, where immigrants come to make a better life. But in this area, that life leads to crime, to the triad, to gang wars. Tonight, all that converge here is violence, and Batman was right to keep Tim out of this. Tonight, guns are at play. This is something Tim is not ready for. Batman knows he has to act quick to disarm as many that he can. There's two factions, the Steel Unicorns and the Ghost Dragons. It's an all-out gang war. Batman makes quick use of the, of the Steel Dragons, but some try to flee in a truck. He knows that all he has done is set things up for the Ghost Dragons. Batman jumps on board of the truck and manages to take down a couple of the Steel Unicorns, but there's too many of them, and the truck is going too fast. Batman is shot in the chest and falls off the moving truck. The Kevlar piece of the costume took most of the impact, but some ribs are broken and the pain is great. He knows he will have to keep walking to the Batmobile down the alley, because if he falls, he will surely die tonight in the streets. Back in the Batcave, Alfred tends to Bruce's wounds. Tim comes down to the Batcave dressed in his Robin costume. There's a reason why you need me out there, Robin tells Batman. You do believe that King Snake's alive, and you're keeping me out to try and protect me. I'm not in this because I want to be safe. I have my reasons for being a part of it. I used to worry about you being too concerned for my safety, that you won't be effective, but you're reckless out there without me. You need me to keep me on your toes to watch your back. Look, you can hardly lift your arms above your head. I need to be out there with you. So the student becomes the teacher, Batman says. Yeah, that's one way of looking at it, Robin tells Batman. Robin also tells Batman he should listen to Alfred and get some rest. You're not going to be effective out there if you keep going at the pace that you are. Batman turns to walk up the stairs to the Batcave to Wayne Manor. Alfred tells Robin, well played. He really does care the weight of the world on his shoulders, Robin states. Not alone, Alfred says. He can never bear that burden without us. King Snake is meditating when Lynx comes in. She tells him that Batman has interfered once again and has jumped in between the fight between the Ghost Dragons and the Steel Unicorns. King Snake still is wondering if the boy was there. Link says that he's becoming obsessed with the boy and is becoming unfocused. King Snake says that he hates the boy and wishes the boy dead. Link says, you don't hate the boy as much as you fear the boy. King Snake goes to try and hit Lynx for being insolent, but Lynx is able to move out of the way and pulls a knife and is able to cut King Snake and says, you hate him so much you're not thinking straight. It will get you killed, or worse, you'll be defeated once again. As Commissioner Gordon is investigating one of the Ghost Dragon's latest attacks, he hears something in a nearby alleyway and goes to investigate. He hears his name called as the package is dropped from high above and it lands at his feet. It's a dead bird, a robin. Later that night at the GCPD, 
Gordon activates the bat signal, and Batman arrives shortly thereafter. He hands the package over to Batman. Batman says it's clear. He wants Robin. He wants revenge on Robin. And if he thinks he's going to kill Robin, he's going to have to step over his corpse to do it. Batman 469, the final part of Shadowbox, part 3. King Snake can not get the images of Robin standing over his broken body. He wakes up at the dinner table in front of Lynx. King Snake is certain someone else is there in the room with him. Lynx says, no one else is here. You've been asleep. Were you dreaming? She asks. Was it about Robin? King Snake says the bird haunts him, and it possesses him. King Snake asks Lynx to bring Robin to him so he can finally be at rest. Batman has been analyzing the dead Robin bird all evening. Alfred comes down to bring coffee to help keep Batman on task. It's been stuffed with emeralds and rubies and pearls. It's a message. The name of the ship that carried Sir Edmonton Dorrance's cash and fortune to Gotham was the Pacific Jewel. These are all jewels, and it's the only ship in the shipyard with jewel in the title. This is more than a warning. It's an invitation to the Pacific Jewel. That must be where King Snake is hiding. He must be alive. Robin was right. Somehow, the shock of the fall has fractured his psyche. He believes that Robin is the one that left him for dead, not Lady Shiva. So he's turning his focus and attention on Robin, and he's calling Batman out to face King Snake. So that way, with Batman out of the way, he can have Robin to himself once and for all. He wants revenge on Robin. Tim has been up in his room the past few nights studying, and he can feel that he's been a bit behind. But he can't seem to get the equations right. He knows the material. The numbers aren't just coming to him. Alfred comes in to check on him and says, well, maybe he needs a new computer. And Tim says, you know what? Maybe I don't need a new computer. Maybe I need a better one. Tim hacks into the Batcave's mainframe from his bedroom. And before he dumps the information, he thought he would just check to see what Bruce was looking at. The mainframe is accessed from the back computer. He sees the name of the Pacific Jewel. It's at Gotham Harbor. This must be where Bruce is headed to. The Pacific Jewel was the name of Sir Edmonton's ship that brought his weapons, ammo, and jewels over in. That must be where King Snake is. He is alive. Tim goes to his closet and activates a secret panel to reveal his Robin costume. Whether Bruce likes it or not, Robin needs to be there. Batman is walking into a trap. Robin walks into Alfred's room and says, I need a lift into town. Alfred tells Robin that Batman is looking out for his safety. Robin says, I don't need special treatment. I don't want protection. Alfred feels that Bruce is doing this out of concern, and there is only one thing that Bruce fears. Robin says, I'm not going to die. You can either help me, or you can stay behind. Batman arrives at the Pacific Jewel, staying high above the shipping containers, looking down on the boat, and can see the members of the Ghost Dragons. He knows that he has to take them out one by one if he's going to get close enough to finding the King Snake. Batman begins his fight with the Ghost Dragon members and takes out the first round very quickly. But a spotlight is shown on Batman's face and he is blinded for a moment and is kicked into an open container that leads down to a flight of steps. The light is so bright he can't see. All he can see is white specks. Batman stumbles in the darkness and there he comes to face to face with King Snake. Now because of the light for a brief time, Batman is blind. Now Batman and the King Snake are on even playing fields. The King Snake takes a quick strike at Batman's ribs, right where he was shot. Lynx must have been watching to know this. His ribs are burning like fire, but he must keep going. Batman whips his cape around, and the edges of the cape act like razors and cut across King Snake's face. This gives Batman a moment to get his bearings straight, and slowly Batman's eyesight is returning. King Snake tells Batman in the dark that he is going to rip the boy from limb to limb. The first thing he is going to do is take out Batman. Is he much like the bat that he represents? Can he see in the dark? Robin did this to him. He left him for dead. He's a coward, much like Batman himself. 
It's at this point Batman's ice light is returning to him, and he activates his infrared lenses so he can see King Snake in the dark, and begins to talk to King Snake. Don't you remember what happened? It wasn't Robin that left you for dead. It was someone else. Someone else was there with you. It was Lady Shiva. With you out of the picture, Shiva would have total control of the Empire. She would be the strongest martial artist in the world. King Snake says it can't be Shiva. A woman? It has to be Robin. Then he remembers the fall. He remembers Robin turning away. While he was still holding to the edge, it was Shiva that kicked him off the edge. He only fell a few stories. This is what broke his back. And it was Shiva that was standing over him, gloating. In a fit of rage, King Snake lunges to strike out a Batman. But Batman is too fast and is able to knock King Snake to the ground. Some of the Ghost members try to come at Batman, but King Snake stops one of them and snaps the neck of one of the Ghost Dragon members and says that it's he that is going to break the bat, and then I will go after the bird. As King Snake tries to land a punch on Batman, he catches King Snake's arm and breaks it and knocks King Snake to the ground with a swift kick to the knee. As Batman stands over King Snake, two gunshots stop short at Batman's feet. It's coming from a sniper position. The sights of a sniper rifle are on Batman's head. It's Lynx from high atop the shipping yard. Just then, Robin swings in and catches Lynx in the chest and knocks her to the ground. But Lynx springs back to her feet and catches Robin in the throat and then in the stomach. Lynx says, you picked an awkward time to arrive, but maybe next time, little boy. Lynx turns and jumps off the edge of the shipping yard container to safety. Seconds later, Batman is on top of the shipping container with Robin. Batman says, I gave you strict orders to stay home, to stay out of this. Robin tells Batman, if I hadn't showed up, you'd be dead. Batman turns and says, my life is not important. I'd rather... He doesn't finish his sentence and swings away. Robin shouts after him. Robin shouts after Batman. You'd rather give your life than risk mine. When are you going to realize I'm not Jason Todd? The end. All right, that is the synopsis for Batman the Shadow Box parts 1, 2, and 3. Initially, I thought I was going to break these out over the course of uh, three episodes, uh, but the uh, story was nice and tight that I thought I could do them uh, in one episode. Again, um, I'm a little bit behind in trying to do the bi-weekly podcast. Uh, We're kind of coming into uh, the first start of the holiday season and things like that, so uh, the podcast got a little bit put uh, behind, uh, so I thought I would do a a nice uh, episode here covering uh, all three of these issues. Uh, This is the second time that Chuck Dixon uh, appears on the podcast writing a uh, Batman and or Robin story. Um, I do not have Batman 466 in my collection. Um, Again, this is probably one of those things that I didn't get a chance to go to the grocery store or the comic book store at the time uh, to pick this issue up. So I've always kind of wondered what uh, 466 was like um, after we did 465. That would be the debut uh, of Tim Drake uh, being Robin uh, with Batman for the first time in Gotham City. Um, And it's something that you can't uh, buy digitally through uh, a digital comic service. So I'm actually going to a comic book convention um, in two weeks here in Ohio. So maybe that is something I can uh, try and pick up. Um, I kind of wanted to do it to see how it tied um, in with uh, the story uh, that... um, that Norm Brayfogle was uh, telling. And it's actually Norm Brayfogle's last uh, Batman book uh, 
for some time. Uh, Chuck Dixon ended up taking over after uh, 467. And uh, this is a direct offshoot of the uh, Robin 1 series where he uh, fought uh, King Snake and uh, had his training. So it was uh, it was interesting that they chose to bring King Snake back in uh, right away. Um, not much time uh, has passed. There was only uh, a, a two month gap between uh, the Robin uh, miniseries wrapping up with its fifth issue and then jumping back over into the Batman book for two issues would be you know two months, and then on the third month we uh, get back to. Uh, King Snake, and uh, it's uh, you can still kind of tell that uh, Dixon is still getting his foot in, footing writing the Robin character, and he's pulling uh, from the Robin miniseries to t- try and uh, tie this uh, story together. It, it puts a nice little uh, bookend, uh, if you will, or a little button on the King Snake story. And uh, it's King Snake was always one of those that. Uh, I always remember him being a villain, but only when I'm looking at him in print, if that makes sense. If somebody says, you know, list uh, uh, Tim's, Tim Drake's foes or notable Batman's foes, it's uh, King Snake is always somebody I don't remember. I think uh, the DC had high aspirations for King Snake, and uh, King Snake really being a Robin foe, and uh, Chuck Dixon goes out of his way to really try and make that a point here. Uh, and this three-issue uh, miniseries that um, King Snake just never really took on for uh, whatever reason. Um, I thought he was a good adversary, but it's one of those. As I start going through comic books, I go, "Oh yeah, that's right. There's uh, there's King Snake." So uh, he's an easy one to kind of forget about, but is memorable at the same time. If that makes any sense. So they really don't uh, tell us how much time has kind of passed and. Um, I would imagine that uh, Batman and Robin have had you know their conversations about King Snake, and it's uh, noted here throughout uh, the issues that Tim never actually saw King Snake's body. If we remember from the uh, fifth issue of the miniseries, as King Snake's holding from the ledge, uh, Robin basically does uh, a Batman Begins quote with Rachel Ghoul, you know, I'm not going to kill you, but I don't have to save you type of thing, where he turns and walks away. And it's, uh, we don't see it, it happens off panel, but uh, uh, with Shiva being there on the roof, it's uh, we're led to believe that she kicks him off or steps on his fingers, and that causes King Snake to uh, plummet to his supposed death. Um, and this is something that quickly right away Batman is wanting to dismiss um, as the little hints of the ghost dragons are here that somebody is still controlling them and it very well could be Lynx and that's uh, something funny that uh, Dixon doesn't point out or lead the uh, reader uh, to point towards Lynx um, right away. As I'm reading it, I'm thinking, well, it could be Lynx. She is, was arrested at the end of the uh, Robin miniseries in Gotham City. So I guess she could be there, but it, it, he doesn't telegraph that to us unless you know we're smart, smart enough, like I just pointed out, that it very well could be Lynx. Uh, but even... Uh, Tim is Tim is noticing uh, the way the ghost dragons are moving and is wanting to point that out. And Batman's quick to dismiss it, saying, "Oh, it's somebody else." You know, Dorrance is is dead. You know, and and Tim says, "You know, I never saw a body. Never, uh, he was. It was never recovered." So that's you know, comic book one hundred and one right there. If you don't have a body, chances are. Um, 
they're still alive. And, and even in comics, if <laughs> the body is dead, uh, Damian Wayne, uh, the body can come back. So, um, uh, some big spoilers. If we jump to the new 52, um, have been announced today by Patrick uh, Gleason and Peter, uh, Tomasi, uh, that, uh, by the time you're listening to this, it is a uh, nine 14 on a Tuesday. And, uh, they wanted to release who the new Robin is before the solicitations came out. So this is the point where if you don't want to hear what I'm about to say, then you can just push your uh, fast forward button. Uh, really? Five, four, three, two, one. Damien is coming back. So there we go. There's a little new 52 blurb there. Uh, this guy being such a huge Tim Drake fan, being my favorite Robin, um, I am very happy that Damien is coming back. So let's uh, go back to 1991. Ready? Okay, there we are. So, uh, getting back to this story, that uh, like I said, Bruce Bruce is wanting to dismiss everything that Robin is saying. Um, something I think is kind of funny here, the way, um, and I need to mention this that uh, Lyle, uh, Tom Lyle, is drawing uh, these three issues, and Tom Lyle is going to be a name. It's going to be kind of synonymous uh, with the podcast for a while of drawing. Uh, Tim Drake Robin and is one of my favorite. Norm Brayfog was right there, but uh, a Robin that I think of uh, quite a bit, uh, a Robin artist is Tom Lyle. I have a beautiful poster here uh, in my room, which you can't see. I think if you go to the Robin Everyone Loves a Drake Facebook page, I've posted it on there a few times, is a picture of uh, Robin in a sewer holding his uh, bow staff up. Uh, found this at a local comic shop that was closing, and uh, the guy behind the counter gave this to me. So uh, it's one of my favorite posters, and uh, uh, another reason it's one of my favorite because Tom Lyle drew it. It's 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 an iconic uh, iconic iconic <laughs> image of Tim Drake, uh, Robin that I always associate when I think of Robin. I usually think of the Norm Brayfogle and then the the Tom Lyle uh, Robin era. But um, something that I think is funny here on uh, page eight in issue four. 67 uh the panels with commissioner gordon he has the nice handlebar <laughs> mustaches um on either side uh that uh, i never liked it when they draw when, when anybody ever drew commissioner gordon like that i like the more you know traditional mustache that we associate with uh, commissioner gordon but these <laughs> long handlebar mustaches i always picture him twirling going hmm batman i i wonder if you're right you know it's it it looks a little funny it looks a, a little dated so that's the only knock I have on an otherwise, you know, flawless uh, uh, Tom Lyle here. Um, but uh, again, I'm, I'm probably going to say this quite a bit that that Tim is adamant that it's King Snake, um, and even in when they're talking to uh, Wig in here, um, a former. Um, imposed mayor of Chinatown uh, that's been run out by a tall blonde that is blind. That's uh, who he hears. And that's that's the only person that fits the description is King Snake. And, and Batman is still like, no, no, uh, somebody could just be using King Snake. Uh, there's some moments in here where Batman seems kind of dumb that um, I think you could put two and two together and go, all right, this... Robin is already feeling this way, and Robin has come across King Snake personally, and now somebody that used to be running things in Chinatown has been pushed out by a guy that really fits the description of King Snake. And uh, Batman says, uh, "We'll have to deal with this pretender." And I guess you could, 
you could kind of make that argument that somebody may be using the persona of King Snake. Um, you don't even have to say that you know, King Snake is there. You can uh, just make that up, and uh, people would say, "Oh, I, I hear King Snake's there." So just the aspect of fear. But um, you know, I like how Batman could put that put those things together. So it it seems a little funny here. It's more of Dixon trying to stretch out the suspense that is it King Snake? Is it not King Snake? Um, with the front cover here on all three of these covers, by the way, you can put them together side by side and it's one uh, mural. Uh, King Snake does not appear on the front cover. We probably should talk about that. It's uh, Lynx and Robin. Batman does not appear on the cover of his own book other than his cape. And you can see the ghost dragons here. So I kind of said they you know, really don't telegraph the idea that it could be Lynx running the Ghost Dragon. She appears right on the front cover. And on page 13, we see the first uh, appearance of Lynx. So she's obviously out of uh, jail or wherever she was. And uh, they're still playing up the beats of uh, trying to get King Snake's uh, arsenal and money and uh, those type of things that were uh, brought at the pier. So it doesn't appear that much time has gone by um, since uh, Batman and Robin for, took the streets with Tim Drake being Robin and then the miniseries. So it's almost like that some of his stuff was in holding and it's being transported back. But on page 18, we get the uh, first appearance uh, of King Snake in this book. And uh, I've got some other things to talk about King Snake, but uh, he is definitely, definitely obsessed with uh, Robin and the whole King Snake Robin uh, relationship in this book uh, bothers me, and I'll uh, again I'll get that uh, towards that at the very end. So at least us for the reader, we definitely know that it is King Snake, and I don't know if I would have shown him in this book uh, right away. Being a three-part story, I would have waited till midway through part two, so you could have read this book. I mean, still have links come into the room in a, in a darkened room. And even in panel four on page 18, where you see uh, King Snake behind links with his hand uh, close to her mouth, um, I might have put you know, the rest of the dialogue just in that panel um, and maybe blacked him out in the fifth panel just a little bit more so you don't see the snake, so you just see this body. Um, so, so you still really don't know who this person is. Um, that, that's just a, a little, uh, a little story beat I would have waited on a little bit. A thing that will uh, be quite uh, commonplace throughout the uh, podcast uh, when dealing with Tim Drake is uh, Tim is still in high school, and I really liked that about uh, Tim's character that uh, kind of harkened back to some classic uh, Spider-Man stories. I always liked the stories where. Uh, Spider-Man was in high school. He was still a teen that dealt with uh, teen problems, and uh, Tim will have plenty of those problems throughout his ongoing series, which I, I can't wait to get to. But uh, we've all known that Tim is the smart Robin, and uh, Tim can be very smart, but when his mind is on something else, uh, those you know synapses aren't firing, and it's a nice little a beat here between uh, Batman, or excuse me, uh, Alfred and Tim, where Alfred is still you know help trying to help Tim guide his way through his uh, detective prowess. So I always like the the beats between uh, Tim and Alfred, and then the big uh, shocker uh, reveal in this is 
the thug that Batman is trying to get the information out of, uh, we find out is uh, beaten to death and is laying on the mortuary table dressed as Robin. And uh, I remember seeing images of this in some magazines and thinking, oh my gosh, they killed the Tim Drake character already. He's only been Robin for a little bit. Uh, it's this fate of everybody that's Robin. You have to do or hurt some Robin at some point in order to make your story go. So I, I hope that's something that DC uh, gets away from for a while. Uh, but that ends up wrapping up uh, the first issue of the shadow box series. And of course we're going to move right into uh, a part two of the shadow box. And uh, this is the issue that's is really kind of filler for me. And these are the things that um, I, I really start having some problems uh, with the issue. I mean, I, I like the story overall, but it's, it's the King snake beats that really kind of bother me. I, I can kind of get what Dixon is doing here. That's uh you know, uh, King Snake's psyche, and Batman ends up saying this in the third uh, issue of this, that his psyche is kind of fractured. You know, here's a guy that's a uh, big martial artist. He's uh, smart, fast, and uh, is taken down, presumably, by Robin, is what King Snake thinks. And here's a guy that's going to plunge to his death and ends up, uh, a part of the building ends up saving his life, like an awning or, you know, a... Another lower part of a roof, and uh, he has this vision that it's uh, Robin gloating over, you know, his broken body, and he's just all obsessed with uh, killing Robin. It's it's something that is it, it's kind of funny. It's the same thing that Batman was going through. Uh, he it, Batman was so consumed by Jason's death that he is starting was starting to make mistakes and he wasn't being thorough. He wasn't, you know, you know, clearing the room and all those type of things. Uh, King snake can't even focus on his own business, his own empire, uh, even fighting, uh, somebody like links just for a little bit. But later on, we'll find out, you know, she gets the upper hand, um, of him. And this goes right into on page nine, where, uh, Bruce is wanting to keep Tim out of the way and is going to be a, a crutch for Bruce to use to yes, he has a new Robin, but the, the wounds and the memories of Jason are still fresh in his mind. And we'll see that Batman is not wanting to really let Robin do anything very dangerous. If it has anything to do with guns or he thinks there could be gunplay involved, he's going to sideline Tim and I remember reading the comics early on and going, I don't understand why why Batman is doing this. You've had Tim trained. You've given him a really good costume uh, that is going to, you know, at first it was supposed to be more you know, bulletproof and armored type of a thing. Uh, but, you know, now being an adult, I, I get that. You, you have a new partner, but it's like I... I can watch out for myself, but I can't watch out for you at the same time. And uh, there's somebody big and bad out there. And if I let you go out there too, um, I, I'm not going to be able to save you. I'm not going to, Bruce is not allowing himself to know that his partner is as equally trained as he is and can take care of himself. I don't have to watch or quote unquote babysit you. So he sidelines Tim here and uses it under the guise of, well, you need to be catching up on your studies. And Bruce knows very well that Tim is very smart and Tim's out here playing tennis. You know, he's going to clear his uh, head a little bit. And so that way he can go back fresh to studying. And 
Tim knows the real reason why uh, Bruce is sidelining him, and uh, Bruce just won't won't admit it. You know, Tim knows that Bruce thinks he's going to get himself killed. So it's just easier to say, well, you're just going to stay home, and uh, Batman can handle this, and your studies are more important. So it, it'll be... It'll be kind of cool since you know enough time has gone by. I can't remember like where the where the issues are where uh, Batman really starts letting Tim be his own Robin. And uh, if I remember correctly, it's not going to happen till long after Nightfall, um, after he's been on his own for a while. Um, I like here in page nine that uh, we kind of have the uh, the what do they call it? Uh, Gate Street is the kind of the uh, melting pot or the area where a lot of the immigrants come into Gotham City uh, to try and uh, make a home for themselves, um, that it's the you know, land of opportunity. And uh, Batman points out here to us that this is one of the worst places in Gotham City. Uh, the triad are in there. Uh, all the gangs and gang wars happen in here. So a place that's supposed to be this huge melting pot is doing exactly what it's ironically is supposed to do. All these cultures are living on top of each other and they're not getting along. So all the uh, gang wars are coming out of this. Uh, Something I think is completely funny in here is uh, the uh, steel unicorns are fighting the ghost dragons. Uh, That is the name of a rival gang. Uh, It could have been steel anything. And the funny thing is is that all of their shirts, their gang shirts, their gang initiation <laughs> shirts that they wear, all say unicorns on them. So when I first it was doing the read-through, I was like, really? Your gang is called unicorns? No wonder you're getting shot at all the time. <laughs> uh, so it's only mentioned um, after uh, the fight is over, when uh, Batman is talking to Robin, that uh, he, they were fighting the... Uh, or actually, excuse me, it's actually Lynx talking to... Uh, King Snake saying uh, Batman got on the way of fighting the uh, steel unicorns. So <laughs> I, I think you could have probably picked a, a different animal other than uh, unicorn. But uh, I guess if you're uh, Billy Badass enough, you can call yourself uh, the flying p- pink flamingos, I guess, if you want to. Or the steel. You know, you put some some metal or some rock uh, ahead of your uh, silly name, then I, I guess that makes you... Uh, more Billy Badass. Again, uh, this is something that uh, Tim will point out to Batman uh, quite a bit, that uh, Batman's a little reckless, uh, much kind of like King Snake is a little reckless. Batman feels that he's got to get this all under control and stop the gang war from going on rather than having a partner. This is obviously too much uh, for Batman right at the moment. Uh, And he ends up getting shot in the process, Uh, something that Batman would normally not allow uh, to happen to himself. So this will come into play later on in the third issue, but uh, Batman makes a a note here that the Kevlar uh, lining in the costume took uh, most of the impact, but uh, said even though his ribs are on fire, he's got to keep moving through uh, the city street and down the alley because if he allows himself to, you know, take a moment uh, to be hurt, uh, he could pass out. And if, if that happens, of course, a gang member is going to take him out. And I like the exchange here between Batman and Robin uh, in the Batcave where 
you know, Bruce is uh, getting uh, attended to by Alfred and Alfred's telling him, you know, you've got to take some time off. You've got to, you've got to be able to heal in order to be effective. And uh, Tim is in costume in his Robin costume and Batman is basically, you know, like, but what the hell are you doing? Robin is saying, you need me out there. You know, look at you. You're, you're being reckless. The, the very same thing that you were doing when Jason died, you're, you're doing now. You're trying to do too much. You, you need a partner. You need that person out there. And it's, it's the reverse of what Batman thinks he needs. Uh, Tim was afraid that if he's out there with Batman, he's afraid that Batman's going to be paying so much attention to him. He's going to be uh, ineffective. But what it, Tim is pointing out, you need me out there to be watching your back and you to be watching mine. Having two people out there, you can move a little bit more freely knowing that there's that other person out there watching you. And, you know, Bruce allowed himself to get shot from being careless. And Tim points it out that, you know, Batman can't even lift his arms up above his head. I like this uh, dialogue that Tim has with Batman that he's pointing out. If, if I'm out there, you're thinking about yourself. When I'm not there, you're not thinking about anything. You're just running like a bull in a china shop that... When Robin is with Batman, Batman has to be thinking not only of his actions, but the actions of his partner. So he's playing more defensive Batman is better than trying to play offense and move down the field. Uh, a defensive Batman can watch and see things coming at him and he can kind of get ahead of a situation. And that's another one of those character beats of why Batman needs a Robin. It's going to make Batman think of what I'm going to do is going to what's that going to cause my partner to do? And, uh, Bruce gives the, so the student becomes the teacher and <laughs> this is Tim's, you know, you're damn right. And is able to convince Bruce to you know go upstairs and rest. And, um, Alfred gives Tim the, you know, well done. You just did something that, uh, I, I wasn't able to do. You got, you got to the heart of Batman for that <laughs> brief moment that, Bruce ends up going upstairs to rest. And over on page 17, we have uh, the conversation with Lynx and King Snake, and it's it's the same beat that's still continuing on as the Batman and Robin thing is. This is the kind of the same thing. If Batman doesn't get himself under control, something bad's going to happen to him. King Snake is already there. He is so obsessed with trying to kill Robin and you know where's Robin was the boy there that he's not thinking straight uh, thinking straight and before in the Robin miniseries uh, the King Snake was very fast and very quick and was able to put the beat down on Lynx and she wasn't able to get away and uh, through a kick and a punch uh, Lynx is able to dodge them because he's fighting so ferociously he's not he's not thinking and Lynx actually uh, cuts him and causes him to bleed and she's telling him look you you're just not angry at this boy. You're afraid of him. And this is the thing that causes King Snake to really get ticked and uh, get thrown off guard. And I think this is kind of a point where Lynx is like, you know what? I think I might be able to take over the Ghost Dragons because my boss is going to end up getting himself killed. But she ends up listening to King Snake and uh, he he still wants Robin brought in. And uh, another message is uh, being delivered to Batman. This is in the form of, uh, it's kind of clever, of a a dead actual bird, Robin. And Commissioner Gordon ends up giving it to Batman. And uh, that takes us into the third and final issue of the Shadowbox uh, miniseries. 
this, I was thinking, all right, we're going to have a Batman, or excuse me, well, that's what we end up having. Uh, we would have a Robin and King Snake uh, confrontation again, and uh, we don't quite get that. Uh, Batman is in the uh, Batcave and going through, uh, kind of dissecting the bird. Uh, this is really kind of poor, uh, I think. As, as much as I like Chuck Dixon, I don't know if he needed a third issue or if he was trying to figure out how how can we get Batman to the shipping yard, uh, to uh, the boat, the Pacific Jewel. So the bird is stuffed with jewels, and uh, the jewels were on the boat. Uh, as part of uh, Dorrance's uh, wealth and fortune, his guns and ammo and all that stuff. So I guess I'm going to give it a pass. Uh, Terrence said it once before that you know Dixon wrote so many good you know Batman and Robin and even Nightwing stories that if some of these early ones are kind of like, yeah, all right, I kind of see what you're trying to do there. Uh, but it's, it seemed a little bit of a stretch. But, hey, it's Batman. He figures out that that's where uh, he needs to go, to the Pacific Jewel and that uh, King Snake is begging uh, Batman to come to him. But uh, I think King Snake is thinking, well, if Batman's coming, then Robin's coming along. So um, it doesn't quite happen the way King Snake uh, would like it, but uh, we'll see as the uh, story progresses here. And the the funny thing is that in just a couple pages, Batman figures this out, and then Dixon will have Tim figure the exact same thing out while... Uh, Tim is studying, and uh, I think it's kind of funny and uh, clever a little bit that uh, Tim and Alfred are again having another little conversation, and uh, Tim says, you know, he has all these equations in his head, but he just can't seem to get the formulas right on his computer, and uh, Alfred says, well, maybe you need a new computer, and that leads Tim to go, well, a new computer? Uh, why don't I just use the back computer? So... Uh, the the link computer lingo here is really kind of dated. Um, they didn't really have to be over too specific because there weren't a lot of us that had computers back in 1991 and you know, the internet and all those things. So uh, nowadays your computer lingo and jargon needs to be <laughs> pretty tight here. But uh, Tim is able to hack into the bat cave uh, mainframe and before he dumps the information from one computer to the other one because apparently you needed to needed to do that stuff back in 1991. Tim can see where uh, Bruce is going to go and realizes the Pacific Jewel. Tim knows that right away because uh, he dealt with the Pacific Jewel uh, in the miniseries, so he knows right away where the Pacific Jewel is. So if Batman's going there, um, he's obviously going to King Snake. King Snake is definitely very much alive, and Bruce is holding this from him as uh, Batman would do to... Uh, every single Robin and every other member of the Bat family, any, even Justice League, if it's something Batman knows, it's on a need-to-know basis, and most times you don't need to know. So we get Tim suiting up as Robin, and I like this conversation with Alfred and Robin, and I think I say that quite a bit here, but uh, the cool thing is that Dixon writes this in here, and I like this, that he uh, has Alfred call Tim, Tim, just a second, and then does the Tim or er, Robin that Alfred refers to Batman as Batman when he's dressed as Batman and Robin as Robin when he's dressed as Robin. I, I always like that, that um, Alfred doesn't say, well, Tim, he's he's keeping their identities separate, I guess. 
Um, I guess so. Maybe it's not a flub if he happens to be out in public and say, excuse me, uh, Master Timothy, he'll just call him Robin. So that's something cool that I liked as a kid when I was reading uh, the Batman comics that uh, Alfred uh, differentiated, if I am even saying that word right, uh, between calling them who they need to be in costume and uh, and out of costume. Uh, But the thing that I like here, Tim gets... Kim get Tim gets down to the uh, the reason he he wants some vindication of okay I know why Bruce is keeping me out it's because he thinks I'm going to get killed he thinks the same thing that happened to Jason is going to happen to me and Tim is like you know don't coddle me don't I didn't sign up for this to say hey great I could get aware of his costume but I don't get to do anything I've had the training I've done everything the Bruce has asked me to do and you're either going to give me a lift into town because Tim can't drive yet or you can just stay here I like the more forceful uh, Robin out of Tim he won't get really forceful with Batman for quite some time yet but he has no problem pulling punches with uh, Alfred and saying you and I both know what Bruce is doing and I can appreciate that on some level, but I am here to make sure that both of us get home. I'm, I'm not going to allow myself to be like Jason. And it's, it's always one of those I thought of if you have a, a bad relationship or uh, a breakup or uh, be it boy, girl, or, you know, your best friend that somebody says, well, my last friend did this to me and whoever the new friend is of a new girl or boyfriend, you're like, I'm not so-and-so. I'm not going to do that thing to you that happened before. Um, you've told me all about it. And in some ways it's like, if I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen, I know the things that upset you between that other person. I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen here. But sometimes we put those those things on people or those boundaries on people, we want to put them in the box of somebody else. This is what so-and-so did to me. So um, just so that doesn't happen again, I'm going to kind of shackle you with their memories or their, or their whatever. And you don't really let that person come into their own. And uh, Bruce will do that to Tim for quite some time in here, put him in the Jason Todd box of, I don't, I don't want to go through this again. And if I can keep you home and keep you signed, uh, sidelined, then I'm not going to have to go through that. I'm not going to have to deliver your dead body to your father. I, I don't want to have to do that. Now, I said I kind of had a problem with the story, and it's in these final few pages here, uh, and the third and final part of the shadow box, is I fully expected that Batman is going to uh, fight King Snake, and it's it's going to be a fight to the death type of thing. And the fight doesn't actually last really long. I mean, it goes through, what is it, three, almost four pages. So, I mean, it's 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 lengthy enough, but it, the beats actually go kind of fast here. Um, a cool thing is that Lynx obviously must have told Batman, or told King Snake rather, that Batman had been shot. So a King Snake delivers a kick to Batman's uh, ribs right where he had been shot. Uh, it's funny if you go back a few pages when Batman's in the uh, Batcave getting tended to, uh, the bruise is actually on the other side <laughs> of his body, but you know he is getting bandaged correctly in the later pa- the latter panel but anyway um little mistakes and all 
this is something that uh, Kingsnake uh, is going to use to try and uh, defeat Batman. He knows a weakness that he has uh, temporarily blinds Batman from a, a spotlight and Batman ends up falling down a flight of steps. So he's a little woozy, um, can't quite see in the dark. And I like how King Snake says, you know, are you like the bat that you represent? Can you see in the dark? You know, is it is it a weakness uh, for you? Because it's a strength for me. But this is a King Snake that is not... He's not firing on all cylinders. And uh, it has to be uh, Batman here that tells him that it wasn't Robin that let you fall. It was Lady Shiva. And King Snake doesn't want to see it. And uh, this is where Batman gets the final beat down. What I fully expected to happen here in this uh, issue was that uh, King Snake was going to get the upper hand on Batman and that it was going to be Robin that was going to come in and save his life. Now, that kind of sort of does happen in this. Uh, Batman ends up breaking King Snake's arm and he uses his cape to kind of cut it, cut across his face. So Batman's doing a number on King Snake here. Lynx uh, ends up getting Batman in the... Uh, laser sight uh, and the scope of the gun. And just as she's about to pull the trigger, Robin comes in and saves the day. So yes, Robin does come in and save Batman, but King snake doesn't have the conversation with Robin. Like I think he should have had uh, King snake has spent three issues saying how much he wants this revenge and how actually kind of scared he is a Robin, you know, can he beat this boy? I didn't like how they used uh, Tim in this. Uh, yes, you know he's supposed to stay at home, and uh, he ends up taking down Lynx. So I like I like what happens there. The Lynx and Robin get uh, another uh, little bit uh, of interaction play, and she ends up getting the better part of uh, Robin in this. Uh, ends up uh, punching him a couple times and ends up getting away. And of course, Batman is not very happy with uh, Robin. And uh, I like the final line here and says, you know, when are you going to realize I'm not Jason Todd? I mean, that wraps up the story. But what I would have liked to have seen is maybe uh, Batman down down the ropes and King Snake has Batman, you know, by the throat or something like that. And that it's Robin that comes in and puts the you know finishing blow on uh, King Snake or, you know, uh, defeats him a, a second time. I think that would have been really kind of cool, but that's not where Chuck Dixon decided to take the story. So um, it ends r- rather abruptly too. And uh, it's always one of those when a story like this ends uh, anytime where, you know, Batman wins and beats the bad guy that you kind of go. So w- are the police coming? Did they round up everything else? I mean, we see Batman kind of swing away uh, you could think, well, he's swinging away to uh, back to the Batcave, or is he going back to kind of round things up? Is he waiting for Commissioner Gordon? So I would assume he is. Maybe I'm thinking a little bit too <laughs> too far. I'm reading too much into it. Um, I think it's a it's an okay story. Uh, it was one that I thought about kind of just passing over, but. Uh, I wanted to do this uh, mainly because I was able to pick up the other two issues and finally read them uh, for the first time. I only had a 467 uh, back in the day and only recently picked up a 468. I, but it, it does kind of wrap up the Kingsnake uh, 
uh, Robin uh, miniseries a little bit. We will see King Snake again uh, in the podcast and in the comics. Uh, again, he's one of those villains that every time he would appear, and he only appears uh, two more times uh, in the comics, and uh, I think we're going to cover the, the final appearance of King Snake uh, in Link's both. That'll be, I think it's in a Detective Comics crossover with the Robin series, that it's still pretty early on in the Robin series where we see King Snake. I think it might be issue 12 or or something like that. So there's going to be a considerable amount of time before we see King Snake again. And I think that was probably the, the last hurrah, like, okay, let's let's bring this King Snake character back for, for Tim to fight one more time. And um, it just... It's another one of those. It, it's it's an okay story, but it just it's it's nothing spectacular. And uh, I don't like saying that about uh, Chuck Dixon. I think he wrote a really good story, but I don't think he left himself enough uh, to play with. Uh, the Robin miniseries. I loved it when it first came out, and Terrence and I, uh, in one of our uh, previous podcasts, had talked that it still holds up. In one way, but in another way, it's it's kind of flat. It's it, it's a rather long miniseries, only five issues. But I think there's at least two issues that are really kind of filler. You could have done it in a real concise three issue uh, run, but with it being the first time Robin gets his own book, they said, "Hey, we're going to do uh, five issues." And I I enjoyed him back then, and Terrence and I had a lot of fun talking about it on the show. But again, this is. I think it was a little too soon to bring King Snake back in because you think about it. They mention in here that after falling off the side of the building, that he had uh, you know, screws and rods put into his back. So that's going to be some healing and operating time. And just having two issues in between, and they really don't specify how much time. I mean, this would be months of uh, rehabilitation, probably probably a couple years before he gets back in any type of uh, fighting mode to be able to do this. So just logically, I think it was uh, <laughs> rushed a little bit uh, to bring this character back. So uh, it was one of those that Terrence and I were talking about uh, this and uh, trying to remember where it was in a timeline. And I'm like, you know what, this, this happens rather quickly. I thought it was a year and it actually was only a, a few months uh, just in the chronology of the uh, Batman canon at the time. So that's going to wrap it up for this uh, episode 17 of Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake. I thought this was, uh, it was an important issue to do, uh, mainly just to show how the Batman and Robin uh, relationship is, is being kind of uh, set right now. The Batman is still very uneasy about taking uh, Tim out on the streets. Uh, he makes mention that Tim takes the job very seriously. He's not reckless, and actually Batman is reckless throughout this issue. And it makes mention that Tim's not ready for the next step. He's not ready to go up against people with guns. Even though there was a little bit of gunplay there inside the Batmobile, and then once the guns make their appearance in the issue, Batman instantly sidelines Tim. 
And to Tim's credit, and this is the writing team that write Tim Drake, uh, Chuck Dixon will write, you know, Robin for quite some time. Once we get into the Robin miniseries, that is some of my favorite Chuck Dixon writing. I think he finally found the voice for Tim Drake. And something I think was really cool, Tim was very respectful of Batman for a long time. Uh, that if Batman said, no, you're not doing this, Tim may, you know, argue and complain about it. But he he wants this role of Robin very bad. And he knows how important the role of Robin is uh, in just being with Batman and uh, looking out for Batman. That he doesn't, he'll he'll kind of take some, some hard hits from Batman Um I guess you could say mentally and verbally. Again, I, I think it's a good story, um, but it's a, a one that's... I, again, I think it was just a little too early to bring this character back. Um, but uh, So that's going to wrap it up for me. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, in two weeks, and I'm knocking on wood here, we will, <laughs> we will be back. Um, I don't know if I'll have a guest for the next uh, episode or not. I've got to kind of put some feelers out there, but we will be looking at Robin Two: the Joker's wild. Um, it's one that has a uh, Tom Panneries has done on his taking flight podcast. And I definitely wanted to be able to do it here. And, uh, um, I'm going to actually try and have Tom on when we get to Robin three cry of the huntress. And that'll be the latter part of this year, probably, uh, late November, uh, early December, I think at some point, once he has some downtime from school and things like that, we'll probably record it and it'll probably get uh, released closer to, uh, Christmas. And then the beginning of 2015, wow, 2015, it's only another year before, uh, Batman versus Superman <laughs> will come out. But, uh, the Joker's wild is a story that I know a lot of people liked and, uh, it is, uh, that story for me is where uh, Chuck Dixon really gets his footing in for the Tim Drake character and is some of the best drawn Tom Lyle art that uh, I've seen. I still love looking at those comics. So uh, you'll have that to look forward to in episode 18. Uh, thanks for listening to this one, and we will see you guys in two weeks. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake Comic Podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, and I am making no money from it. Much to the displeasure of my wife. Sorry, babe. So no infringement is intended by this show. This also applies to all music and sound clips, as they have their own copyright holders as well. You can now find this podcast on iTunes and Windows Media as well. There you can rate and leave a comment to the show and subscribe. I hope that you do. You can also find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. You can send a message there as well. If you'd like to email, you can do so by sending me one at r10myers at yahoo.com. That's R as in Robin, one zero. M-Y-E-R-S at yahoo.com and I'll read your emails on the air. Make sure that you head over to the batmanuniverse.net your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thank you for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. <laughs>